Hello, everyone. This is Deborah Brown Volkman, podcast host for Wisdom Comes with Wrinkles. Um, thank you so much for being here today. I just want to let, uh, let the listeners know just a little bit about this podcast. This is about lessons learned. Guests come on to the podcast and they share things that they've learned and their experiences in the workplace. And that getting older in the workplace is not something to be feared. It's something to be celebrated. You've gone through what you've gone through. You have battle scars, you have wounds, and they are all hard, hard earned scars, wrinkles, you know, come when, you know, after you've been through different types of experiences and there's something to be proud of. I mean, I'm 57 years old. I started this podcast last year and I just get to meet the most amazing, incredible guests that really have such a passion for what they do and they want to give back, pay it forward to the next generation. My guest, my guest today is Oakland McCullough. He is a retired lieutenant colonel. I mean, just such an amazing, interesting man. You know, before people come on the podcast, we always have a pre-interview, like what's your lesson learned? And he, he was just so, so interesting, like such a, a such an interesting background to come to to come from that to where he is today. And the passion that he has is just incredible. So Oak, one moment. I just want to say one thing to the audience before we get started is some of you are listening to this. Some of you are seeing it. Um, I have a yellow pad. I like to take notes, I like to capture things in the moment. So if you see me looking down or you're watching this, I, I do that for, for a reason. Okay. So Oak, you'd like me to call you Oak. Absolutely. Thanks, Deborah. All right. So where, where did Oak come from? So, uh, you, you know, you would think that it comes from the family, but it doesn't. It was uh, the name of the street that the hospital was on that I was born on. Really? That, that's true. And and then my wife, uh, when we were having our, our first child, we had a son. And I wanted to name him after my father and her father, Kevin James. Okay. And she, she said, no, we're naming him after you. And she won. I don't know why, but she did. <laughs> And, uh, and I said, well, that's fine. I don't have a middle name. I said, so that's fine, but you got to give him a middle name because we're not going to have a junior. <laughs> and so his name is Oakland Vincent. We named him, gave, gave him the middle name of her grandfather, who was an amazing man. Um, and then uh, he just recently, two years ago, it, his, my grandson, his son will be two years old this month. And he named him Oakland Maverick. That young man will never be able to hide. No. Oh, well, we'll have like OM or, you know, we'll have, we'll have, you know, everything is an acronym with the young people. Everything's an acronym. So yeah. it'll be OM and it'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fine. See, it all, all works out perfectly. There you go. All right. So you were United States government. You were there for a long time and you rose through the ranks. Not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of dedication and discipline. Um, and now you're a leadership coach. So how, how did all of that happen? Yeah, so I, I've got about 40 years of leadership experience one way or another. Uh, 23 years of that was as a combat arms officer in the United States Army. Uh, I was an infantry officer for five years, and then I was an armored cavalry officer for 18. So, uh, and then just, you know, all few other leadership positions. I was uh, the associate director of a food bank for a, a couple of years. So, uh, so that all came, I, 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 I 
just was lucky enough to, to fall into a couple of spots and, and learn some leadership stuff and got pretty good at it. So then I decided I was going to write a book. And so I wrote the book, uh, my book on leadership called Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming yeah. the Leader You Are Meant to Be. And the legacy isn't about, about the things that you're doing. Uh, in my opinion, the legacy is about creating the next generation of leaders who, after you are long gone, they're still creating the next generation of leaders because that's what it's all about. Um, yes. And I, so, I, wait, I just want to say, cause that I just want to say something because I really resonate with that because that's what this podcast is about. It's about paying it forward to the next generation. So I really, you know, I really, I really love what you just said and I, I truly resonate with it. Well, I will tell you my favorite quote, I wish I could take credit for it and it's in my book and I use it in my presentation, but I can't take credit for it. I didn't say it. Uh, a guy who worked for me, Master Sergeant David Powell, I say he worked for me. He was a better leader than I was probably. Um, but he he was an NCO that worked for me when I was running the Army ROTC program at the University of South Alabama. And one day he said to me, he is, we're talking about what we were doing, the importance of building that next generation of leaders, not just for the Army, but for the country. And, uh, and he said, boss, you know what? Great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. Wow. And I thought, wow. holy cow, what a great quote. And you know what the great part about that one is, Deborah, what? is that you can take the word nations and you can substitute anything you want for that. A business, a college, a, a, a hospital, a sports team, whatever you want. And it doesn't change the meaning of that one bit because every organization at every level needs leadership. And so well, that is just an awesome quote. It just really is. Yeah, you said something that you want to help create the next generation of leaders. So why why is that important to you? Because, uh, it, you know, somebody helped me, somebody mentored me. I, have, I was lucky enough that I had some people who eventually ended up two, three, four-star generals in the Army who decided to take an interest in me and help mentor me and develop me into the leader that I am. Um, and I had people who I worked for. I, I always tell the story of my first platoon sergeant was Sergeant First Class Pinson. Okay. He was six foot five. He was about 250 pounds. Good old boy from Mississippi. And I give him a lot of credit for helping to develop me when I was a lieutenant into the into a good leader who then, you know, gave me my head start so that I could then continue to develop. Um, so I've, I've been lucky. And so now it's my turn to do it for the next generation. And I, and I always tell people it's, it really is our, this generations of leaders, it's our responsibility to train the next one. And if we don't do a good job at it, we're going to get what we sow. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, we are, if we don't do teach them the things that they need to know, then they're not going to know it. And, and we're going to pay the price because they're not going to be good leaders. And no, it, no, it really no. is, it is our responsibility. You know, you have a, a humbleness about you. First of all, you have an amazing background, you know, hard earned. Um, and, but you have a humbleness around you. You know, you had people that mentored you and took an interest in, in you, but you, it doesn't come without hard work. So did you, like, what I want to say is I'm sure you worked really hard. And from that hard work became, you, know, you became lucky. Like, would you have been lucky without the, the time and the effort and the discipline that you right. do your work. Absolutely. I always tell people you, you, you earn your own luck. I mean, you make mm -hmm. your own luck. If, if you, and, and this is what I tell all the young men and women, because in my day job right now, I recruit for army ROTC 
Uh, so we're, we're, I'm still helping to produce the next generation of leaders for the army. Okay. And I tell every one of them when they come in here, I say, look, your job is to prepare yourself, mm-hmm. be prepared, work hard, dedicate self-discipline. And when an opportunity comes, now you're ready for it. If you don't do the preparation up front, all the opportunities in the world can come your way. And if you're not ready for them, they're wasted. You, you're never going to get any advantage out of it. So prepare yourself. And when, if you prepare yourself, something's going to come your way that's going to give you that you're going to get the benefit out of. Yeah, there's no substitution for hard work. I think the younger generation likes that. I know, you know, we hear they have the quiet quitting and they're doing all these things, but that is a very resilient generation that doesn't really get uh, doesn't get credit for their resiliency. You know, look what they've gone through. They've gone through lockdown. You know, they've gone through so many different things. I, I think that they're more resilient and more ready than many people give them credit for. Well, you know, what, what I, you know, you said you're 50, I'm, I'm going to be 60 in January, you know, and, and, and all every generation, you know, the, the older generation says, Oh, you guys aren't going to make anything of yourself. You know, I, I, that's, that's (laughs) just, that's human nature. Um, I, you know, I think they are certainly different than we, than we were. Um, and that's okay. We were different than the people, the generation before us. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, you're right. They are resilient. They, they've gone through a lot and, and, but it is our responsibility. We have to, we have to mm-hmm. train them and teach them. And so that's, that's really what, why I do what I do at this point in my life. It really is my passion to get out and talk to as many young men and women as I can. I love it. Thank you. So I'm so glad you have that passion, you know, I don't want to say thank God, but thank God, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're doing the work that you're born to do. So yeah, well, thank you. All right. I do so, love it. That's for sure. Yeah. I can't tell. Now look at that. Look at that smile. You're like beaming. I love it. All right. So let's get to your lesson, right? You can't lead people if they don't trust you. So yeah. tell, tell us about that. So leadership is about people, period. Any leader who, who doesn't understand that isn't a leader. They're a boss. Yes. Big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, leadership is about people. And and I always tell every chance I get, I tell people, you got to build trust. And there's a couple ways to do it okay. that are really simple that everybody can do. You know, in, in my book, in my presentation, I don't talk about anything about theory. There's no theory in my book, my presentation. Theory is important, but that's not me. I, that's not what I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about everyday things that everyday leaders can do to improve their ability and their skills. And so trust is one of those things that is uh, so vital and so important. And the couple of ways that I've learned to start doing that. Number one is I tell people, don't lead from behind a desk, lead from walking around. So get out and meet the people that you're leading, not in your office where they're working. Whatever that is, whether it's an assembly line. When I was in in the army, I'd go down to the motor pool where my soldiers were working on tanks and Bradleys and Humvees and whatever else. When I was at the food bank, I'd go where we're putting together boxes that we're going to hand out, or I'd be out at the food handout. Wherever your people are, that's where you need to be, walking around. Now, I got it. Leaders got to be behind a desk sometimes. You, you, you do. But you got to put make that a min, minimum amount so you can spend time with the people where they are. So that's number one, lead by walking around, not from behind your desk. Number two, I tell everybody that leaves here and every leader, young leader or aspiring leader, 
this is the second way I tell people to start building trust. Go out every day and find one person in your organization and find out something new about that person. Not about work, something personal. Find out their spouse's name, their kid's name, the sports their kids play, their hobbies, their likes, their dislikes. Something new, one thing new about one person every day. And you'll see the trust just explode in that person. The boss actually cares what my wife's name is or my husband's name is, my kids. And I actually learned that lesson when I was a captain in the United States Army. And I had a lieutenant colonel who did that for me a couple of times and just stuck it right in my head that that's how important that is to actually go out and find something new every day about one person in your organization. Then the last piece that I always tell people that makes it really easy to get out there and do that is I had a boss who retired a three-star general who said, Oak, never, ever turn down a chance to go get your own cup of coffee. He says, two things happen when you do that. Number one, you prove to people you're human. You don't have to have people wait on you to, uh, to give you a cup of coffee. You can go get your own cup of coffee. He said, and the second piece of that is that along the way from your office to the coffee pot and back to your office, stop and talk to people along the way. And he said, and if you're lucky, you got two or three different ways that you can go. And every time you go there and back, you go a different way um, and you talk to different people. He said, that is where you'll start building trust. Because again, it's about people. If they don't believe that you care about them, they're not going to trust you. No, they're not. And, you know, as you're thinking, you know, well, I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking and I'm thinking, you know, this is this is a piece of Zoom. Right. You know, we're all on Zoom right now. So sometimes we have remote, sometimes we have hybrid. You know, how can we how can we take that and take those amazing lessons and bring them in today? And I speak a lot about this also employee engagement. I think how you engage with employees is you engage and people and that leaders aren't spending enough time with their people. I don't think that leaders had the opportunity to spend time with their people beforehand because they were so busy doing the work. I don't have time. So they would right. bring people like you in or me in to work with their people, but at least you saw them. Now you don't see them. You know, your employees won't always go to you. You have to go to them. You have to spend time with them. Absolutely. You have to keep Zoom meetings with them. You have to take all of those things that you said that were really important, you know, and bring it online, right? And that, you know, that is how you become become a leader. Like you can still be a leader. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at a desk or you're on, on a computer. You're, it is your, it's who you are and who you're being this. And it's really caring for your people is what, that's what makes you stand out. So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, people ask me, said, okay, I, I got it. And I, I agree with you, but during the, you know, this COVID stuff, um, people were working from home. Um, uh, so how do you do that? And I said, yeah, I, I, that makes it a little more tough. I said, but you can still show that you care. Uh, you do Zoom meetings. Everybody must have their camera on. Um, that's number one. Okay. Because if you don't, then they don't they don't see everybody. They the people that can't see them. Then the whole part of the Zoom meeting, besides putting out information, is also to remind people that you're not just a person working from home. You're still a member of the team. So let's let's see everybody on the team. Let's talk, engage with everybody on the team. Right. If you don't have your camera on, you're not engaging with people. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just don't believe it. Um, and when I give the, my leadership presentation, I'll do it over Zoom if somebody wants me to. It really, really wants me to. I always tell them it's not as 
impactful as doing it in person, but I'll do it. But I tell them the, the one number one requirement is that everybody must have their camera on. I won't do a, a presentation to a bunch of pictures on, on a computer screen. It's not going to happen. No, it's not. You know what? I think the one-on-ones, you know, have fallen to the wayside. I have a conversation with my clients and they'll say, you know, I, I, I have a half an hour schedule with my boss every week. I mean, that's it. You, have, you know, you have a half an hour. That's not enough time. No. And what happens is, unfortunately, if you, what, what goes to the bottom is people. What goes to the bottom is people. If I'm, if I'm really busy and I have a project or I have something to do and I'm going to meet with you, well, guess what? I might not meet with you. And as a reason, yeah. and then we don't have another meeting till uh, next week. And then maybe that gets canceled or you get sick or something happens and weeks go by. Yeah. And, and that's how people feel disconnected. I, I think half hour meetings with your people one-on-one is not enough time. And I said that in a LinkedIn post and I had so much, well, you know, a half an hour is enough time. It's not enough time. It's no. Just- well, and, and I always tell people also, you know, you, you try not to, if possible, you try not to meet people in your office. You actually yes. meet them out. Um, again, it goes by walking around. It's you, you just, if you, if you're not anytime the boss is in his office and you're or her office and you got to come in and talk to him, it's that boss worker relation. And there's just, it isn't free, free flowing. It's a power, like, it like the power is skewed, right? It is. Yes. And, and even if I have to meet you in my office, I, I don't do it behind my desk and you're on the other side of the desk. We find two chairs and we sit nothing in between us and we just talk. So, you know, it's all those little things that you can do to, to make people feel like they're a valued member of the team and that you really care about them and you're going to take care of them. And if they believe that, they will do anything you ask them to do, mm-hmm. including in the military, charging a machine gun nest. I mean, if they really trust you and they believe that you have their best interest at heart, they will do anything you ask them to do. Yes, they will go to battle, whether it's on the battlefield or- Or, or in the business world. In the I workplace, mean, yes. Yeah. I love it. All right, so um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to say? Anything anything that we didn't get to today? Yeah, I, I think that it's just so important. I The, the other piece that I tell okay. every young man and woman, and I believe this, because I again, it's all about building leaders for me, is I tell people never- ever, ever turn down a chance to be a leader. If you have the chance to be, to lead something, lead it. If you want, if you play in basketball and you want to get better at free throws, you don't shoot layups, you shoot free throws. So if you want to get better at leading, then you got to lead. Now I want to lead all the time. I want to be the leader in everything I do. Now I know when I go home tonight and I walk into my <laughs> condo, I am not the leader anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's a reason I've been happily married for 35 years. I know my place. Okay. But when I walk out the next morning, I want to be the leader again. I want to lead everything I do. Yes. Great leaders want to lead. That's just, that's what it is. I can tell you all the things about leadership. We can bring a hundred, a thousand people in here and we can all give all of our knowledge to you. And until you put it to use as actually being the leader, it means nothing. It's true. I call that on the court. I, I call that on the court. And, and it's knowing the chain of commands. And when you're home, you understand the chain of commands. <laughs> I know I know my place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how can how can our listeners find you? Yeah. So I'm on, I have my own website. Okay. Uh, it's www.ltcoakmacullough.com. Okay. Um, and uh, on there, it's got, you know, 
the speeches that I give, the presentations I give it, you can find a way to my book. If you want to buy a copy of the book, it's got my email, my phone, cell phone number. Certainly if you want to do a zoom with me or, or connect, I'm happy to do that. Um, and then I'm on all the social media. I'm on LinkedIn, which is the main one I use. And I think that's how we connected. Yes, with we did. Yes. Um, but I also have a Facebook. I have a, uh, Instagram. I have a Twitter. I don't know anything about Twitter, but I'm on there. You're on and Twitter, I, right? Yeah. And I do what I can. And then I, I have a, a YouTube channel where you can go look at some of my clips of my presentations and other podcasts that I've been on. I've been on about, I don't know, 55, 60 podcasts. Okay. Um, so uh, people can go there as well. That's so wonderful. You know what? You're, you're an amazing man inside and out. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really mean that. So, Oak, I just want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. And this is Deborah Brown Volkman, podcast host for Wisdom Comes with Wrinkles. I want to thank you very much for being here today, and I will see you next time.